great song. Frank, did you write that one? It's amazing. <laughs> I feel like I should use that for a ringtone. It's great to see everybody. Thank you all so much for having me this morning. When uh, Pastor Eric told me that they were going to be away and asked if I could come and, and do this, I was really excited about it. So it was cool to, to be able to come in and see faces that I know, and I've met some new people that I have not yet met this morning. So, uh, but, but it's great to be here. Thank you. Eric had told me all about this series that y'all were doing with uh, Peace Robbers, and I thought, what an, what an excellent series that is, because really this time of year, I feel like there, there's, so many, there's so much to be excited about, but there's also 2020, and there's, there's just, there, there's a lot of things going on this year, and a lot of things that can easily suck peace away, and, and joy, and, and everything there. But um, today, we're going to be talking uh, just about uh, as a peace robber, a lack of purpose. Um, I was watching some of Eric's message from, from last week, and he was talking about lack of stuff. And uh, I always just think it's such a, such a funny term, like, we need more stuff. But, but he covered that well. And, uh, and talking about lack of purpose, if we think about it, each of us wants to know what our purpose is. We, we feel like uh, we need to, to have a purpose, and God has designed us to have a purpose. But um, it's, you know, I think we want to have identity. We want to know who we are. But we also want to have purpose, and we want to stand, understand why we are here. So we're going to be t- talking about the world's view versus, versus God's view and how to not let a lack of purpose rob us of our peace. Um, side thing, I hadn't even planned to say this, but I thought it was funny. I saw Eric last uh, earlier this week, and he was making printing off notes and copies and things. And I said, hey, buddy, I just wanted to, to encourage you with something. And I, I said, there's this person that I know that I won't say, because a lot of people probably know this person, but I said, this person says, you are their favorite Valenstein. And he goes, well, well, yeah, look at my competition. <laughs> so I thought that was, I lost it. I was laughing so hard. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like something Eric would say. Uh, but, but he's, I, I'm so glad that, that y'all are at church here, and Eric's a phenomenal pastor. And, and uh, I, I just, it's a blessing every time I get to to sit under his teaching, and, and he's awesome. But, but anyway, so talking about purpose. Uh, do any, many of y'all would remember almost 20 years ago, a pastor named Rick Warren came out with this, uh, this book called A Purpose Driven Life. Y'all remember this book? Um, yeah, there's a picture of it right there. And, uh, but, you know, at this point, almost 20 years later, it sold 50 million copies worldwide. And, and really, the, the, the gist of this book is, is talking about these different facets of purpose and, and why God has us here and how to explore these things and, and you know, all, all good things. Uh, but as when I, I remember years ago seeing this book title, and I'm like, purpose, purpose, porpoise. And, and I thought, oh, what if there's a book that's called The Porpoise Driven Life? And they've got a, you know, I, I couldn't help myself. That's just the way my brain works. But, and really, does that tie into purpose? Absolutely not. But it's just a good way to, to start off and have a, a good laugh at the beginning. So I got to be thinking uh, about, about purpose. And I was thinking, okay, well, what, is, what does the world tend to think of our purpose? And, and the world's definition of purpose is going to be different than, than what we as Christians would believe. And then there's some things that, that sound good. But the, the great theologian Will Smith um, came up with this, this version of purpose. I'm going to step aside for a second so you can check this video out. But, but listen to what he's saying and listen to what he's not saying. What's up, y'all? Uh, I made a post yesterday about uh, mission and purpose. And I got a comment from Augie Del Rey. And Augie said, what if your purpose isn't materializing? What then? Everyone talks about purpose and sticking with it, but what if that's not happening? Uh, You know, I think a a big part of finding 
your mission and your purpose and your meaning um, comes from exploring and experiencing. You know, the the universe teaches through experience. You know, it's why like I like to travel and meet so many different people. You got to explore and and you have to experience. It's like that's how you open the dialogue with with the universe to get those answers. I think um, also creating and relating. Like you create something, you use your gifts, and you give them to the world. And part of creating is understanding the relationship between you and the, the rest of the universe and the, and the human family. So I think it's really important to hone your gifts, to constantly be creating and elevating your gifts and then giving, giving them and then working on, in that exchange with the universe. Um, so I, I would say explore, experience, create, and relate. Um, your mission and your purpose is always going to be about what is your contribution to the human family. So, so, so he's, he's going on here and he's going on and, and uh, like you, you wonder, okay, what is purpose? Is it about the universe? Is it about exploring or creating or, or working or things like that with the universe? And so, you know, he's going on about this. And sure, some of the things he sounds nice. It's good to create. It's good to explore. It's good to use contributions to, to benefit humanity. But, but as you listen to him, it is abundantly clear that he's not coming at this whole purpose thing from the, uh, the perspective of a Christian worldview or mindset uh, or even identity, sense of purpose, things like that. Now, I have, I have nothing against Will Smith. Um, if, if he's somebody, I don't know where his heart is, but if he's somebody that does not know Jesus, I would not expect him to present from a perspective of someone who knows Jesus. That was something uh, Andy Stanley said years ago. He said, why would I expect somebody who's not, who does not know Jesus to behave the, the way someone I would expect? Like, why do we expect non-Jesus people to behave the way Jesus people would? Because if they haven't made Christ the center of their lives, they're not going to have any reason to adhere to, to Christ's teachings or, or mindset or things like that. But Anyway, so uh, by the way, it, makes, it reminds me of something. Um, how do you find Will Smith in the snow? Just look for the fresh prince. Hey, I got him. All right. But anyway, so um, thank you. Thank you. I'd get an eye roll if Eric were here. He'd tell me one, like I could only have one, one bad joke that day. But, you know, so other people might, might talk about doing these things. People might talk about acquiring more stuff as a purpose. Uh, somebody's giving me a three, David, in the back. Oh, it's, it's already hit my limit. It could be people would think maybe it's like you talked about last week, acquiring stuff, acquiring possessions. It could be people trying to fill, uh, find fulfillment and purpose in relationships, uh, more knowledge, things like that, which, which can be good things, but they're not, they're not the purpose that God has for us. Uh, there's this scripture I want to read to you all this morning. It's from the book of Luke. Um, and it's, it's a, a short parable that, that Jesus told. It's about this dude who, had, who wanted to make bigger barns. So it'll be on your screen here. I will read that to you. Uh, it's from Luke 12. Can you all see you behind me? I can take a step to the side. There we go. Awesome. Thanks so much, fellas. It says, and he told them this parable. The, certain, uh, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what should I do? 
I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, <laughs> dummy, <laughs> idiot, this very night your life will be demanded from you. It's rare that we see God say, you fool. Uh, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So I read this story, I read this parable, and I think, maybe this guy was a hoarder. And I, like, I have a tendency to do the same thing at my house, not to hoard. But I'm like, I, I, my, my wife, uh, Kylie, some of y'all know her. She's like, we need to get rid of some stuff. We need to purge. And I'm like, Kylie, this is broken, but maybe I can fix it. That's one excuse. I say, Kylie, maybe somebody else could use this down the road. And that, so the, those are my two main go-tos. And you know how often that actually works out? Maybe like 2% of the time. And so, it, like, uh, so, but I'm like, Kylie, look, it, it worked, it worked, it, and she's like, yeah, you're a mess. So anyway, uh, but but you know, I've I've had the same thought. Like, uh, I live in Randallstown. I'm I'm about maybe I don't know. 30 minutes away from here. And I just, I have kind of a, a small to medium house and it, it's reasonable. It's everything we need. But sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I need to, more space because we're running out of space to store all my hoarding things. And it's like, no, I just need to, to, to be gone with some, some things to, to be grateful for that. But, you know, we um, really thinking about it, if, if, um, if we're not like this guy here, if, if um, things that we're obsessing over, possessions, stuff like that becomes the reason that, we're, that we find our purpose and things like that, then we're missing what God has for us. Um, another uh, verse that kind of ties in with, with that thing, with, with wealth and uh, accumulating that by masses, uh, it's in Proverbs. It says, the rich can pay a ransom for their lives, but the poor won't even get threatened. Um, <laughs> I will tell you, I'm not, a, I'm not a wealthy man. I don't have to, to worry about that. Um, but, uh, you know, that's something that if we don't have a whole lot of, of means, we don't have to worry about somebody kidnapping us and holding us for ransom. Also, if you are a heavyset person such as myself, you don't have to worry about ransom. I'm like, if somebody can, like, do the work to pick me up and they want to they hold me for more power, if they can lift me, they deserve to get a ransom out of me. So, anyway. Um, but when we look at the, the majority of the book of, of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, if you've never read it, I encourage you to, to go Go do so. It's about 12 chapters, not a terribly long book, but, but Solomon writes it, and he's, he's concluding all these things that he was looking for for purpose. He's, he's pursuing wealth. He's pursuing wisdom. Uh, he's pursuing entertainment. He's pursuing relationships. All these things trying to find fulfillment in these purposes of things that we look around the world, and they say, yeah, pursue these things. This is your purpose. This is. He goes, he's going through that whole thing, and he realizes, you know, that, that eventually all these worldly pursuits are going to either amount to nothing or they're going to fade away. They're not going to be worth it in the, in the long run. And, and don't get me wrong, these things are important. It's, it's obviously very important to pursue um, education and, and relationships, like if you eventually get married or, or things like that. Um, knowledge, uh, salary are important. All these things are, are good in and of themselves, but they are not our purpose. They're really, a, a lot of these things are a means to an, an end, um, to, to be able to, to fulfill more of what, what comes with a godly purpose. Um, spouse and, and parent-child relationships are huge important. 
But if, I, if my purpose, my identity comes in being a husband or a father or something like that, then I'm missing God's design. God's design is for me to be a child of him. My identity, my purpose has to be in God first. And then if, as long as that's grounded, everything else will healthily trickle out from there. So we read about what our purpose is not. Let's take a look at what our purpose is. Solomon concludes that book. He, he kind of summarizes his findings at the end of Ecclesiastes. And uh, he says, really, the important thing that we need to remember is to, to remember God, to honor him, and to obey him. Pursuing God needs to be our purpose. We don't have to worry about lack of purpose when we are pursuing God. Uh, a few years before uh, he passed away, um, uh, somebody wrote to, to Billy Graham, the, the great evangelist. And he said, uh, he said to, to Billy Graham, he said, um, why did God even bother to create us? That was his question. And the, the writer basically went on to say, surely God would know the heart of man. He would know that, God would make, or that man would make decisions to, to go away from God. So this is how Billy Graham answered him. At first he said, don't call me Shirley. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can't resist. No, he didn't say that. But this is what he wrote. He said, God created us for one reason, to know him and love him and have fellowship with him. Let me read that one more time. Billy Graham said, God created us for one reason, to know him, to love him, and to have fellowship with him. That's a fantastic response. It's so much better than like, give it all to the universe or whatever, whatever that nonsense that Will Smith was saying. Um, but, but to know him, to love him, to have fellowship with him. Uh, scripture gives us several passages and direction as to the purpose of, of our lives. And really the purpose of our lives comes back uh, to God and fulfilling his purposes. Um, after all, he designed us, he created us, so who better to know what, what our purpose is than, than the one who created us? Who better to give us that direction, that meaning, that fulfillment, and, and that purpose? And we, we find out along the way that, that our purpose is really, really fulfilling part of God's greater purpose for them. I, I kind of think about this example. When we talk about the church, whether it's impact, whether it's crossroads, connections, city on a hill, any of the other just like local bodies, we, we would say the church, like with a lowercase c, the church. When we talk about the church, like globally, the, the, the Christian church that we have across the, the world, our brothers and sisters, we would say the big C, we would say the church. So it, it's similar to like that in, in this, this local congregation, all have a part of ministering and reaching and evangelizing and, and uh, encouraging and lifting up and, and getting to know the Lord better. We all have that, that purpose, but also when we take a look at, at God's global church, the church, our mission is to reach the world, and each of us are able to do that in a, in a certain area that we're responsible for. It's kind of like that with purpose. If we think about each of our lives' purpose as a small p, yes, I have a purpose. I'm, I'm pursuing God and growing in a relationship with him, being able to share him with those around me. But, but finding out that my greater purpose, with a capital P, is, is fulfilling what God has in, in store for me in the, in the big picture. Um, here, here's an example. You think about somebody who's an athlete, or you some, think about somebody who is you know, a musician in an orchestra, or maybe they're an actor in a play or something like this. They have those areas that they're responsible for, those maybe the I was talking to Frank this morning, so just talking about how his son plays second base. Yes, yeah, so Joel's got his second base area that, he, that he's responsible for. But really, in the grand scheme of a whole team, he's part of that defensive unit. He's part of an offensive unit. Uh, knowing that we have people that, that are playing music, they're, they're doing their things, or they're singing in orchestras or, or um, excuse me, choirs. I guess you could sing in an orchestra or whatever. <laughs> 
Never been to one, but, but <laughs> being a part of that, you have that area that you're responsible for, but when you take a step back and see the big picture, there's a whole lot there. Uh, think about people in a play. It's, it's fantastic if everybody knows every line and they can sing every song, but if they're the only one that's, that's doing it, the whole thing can crumble. So we all have a responsibility to be part of that, that big P purpose. Um, I want to take a look at a few verses here. And these are kind of sprinkled through, um, actually, uh, most, mostly New Testament. We got one Old Testament. But this is from Romans. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He doesn't say according to each individual's purpose, according to his purpose. God's main purpose. And those of us who are Christ followers get to be part of that. I think it's so exciting. I can't think of anything better than being on Jesus' team. Um, in, uh, in 2 Timothy, this is the last book that Paul writes before, before he, he's martyred. Um, it says, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. He saved us. He calls us to a holy life. Uh, that's one thing that I love about the Nazarene church is, is the, the pursuit of holiness. It's not just, my wife always says, it's not just enough that we're getting fire insurance from going to hell, but, but to pursue holiness in our, in our personal lives. Um, if Jesus is truly on the throne of our lives, it's everything that we're doing is, is checking back with him. And, and each day, the, the longer you pursue Jesus, yes, we're, we're tempted, but as you're growing, certain temptations become a whole lot less tempting than they were a while ago because we're growing and we're maturing and we're pursuing this holiness because of what God has done, not because of what we've done. Uh, in Colossians, it says, for in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and, what's those last two words? For him. Wow. So we were created for God, for his pleasure, for his purposes. It kind of, it's good because it takes our own focus off of us. What's my purpose? What's my this? What's my that? Oh, oh, what does God have for me? How can I be part of this king that I'm serving and really redirect my attention and my focus to him? Because once we do that, if you read uh, fourth chapter of uh, Revelation, John's talking about this, this amazing um, vision that he has of the Lord. And, and when we take our eyes off ourselves and we put it back on the Lord, it's like, oh, it's not about me. I, everything pales in comparison to what God's doing in my life. It's exciting. All right, so God created us to, to worship him, to live in relationship with him, and to tell others about him. So if we know this, if we can understand, we're like, yeah, that sounds good. It's so much better than like give something to the universe. We're starting to see God's pick, uh, purpose a little bit better for us. As Christians, why do we struggle? If we know this, if we know this in our mind, we know this in our heart, what we, it doesn't mean that because we know this, everything's hunky-dory and prancing through meadows with daisies or whatever like that. I actually don't know anybody who's ever done that, but it sounds, <laughs> sounds like a, a pleasant story. There's, I think there's three things that we can have a tendency to do, and I'll kind of give us the, kind of list these things, but, but give you an antidote, a step the, away from that. One of the things that we do um, is we make comparisons. Have you ever done that before? Maybe just me, okay. <laughs> I think a lot of us in some capacity have a tendency to make comparisons, falling into that comparison trap. Uh, there was a, a, a gentleman, his name is Jeff Barker, and he came to, um, I, a couple years ago I was taking a, a class with this guy, Paul McPherson. Some of y'all might know him. He's another pastor on the district. Phenomenal dude. So he had this, this guest speaker, um, I keep wanting to say Travis Barker, but that's a drummer for a band. It's Jeff Barker. Some of y'all know that, all right. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> congregational connection, good. So, um, but anyway, this guy, Jeff, he's a pastor of a church up in New York City. He was in the, um, the New England district. He was pastoring our church there, and he felt like the Lord was calling him to go start this, this church in the, the middle of the city. And a cool thing is this church is 90% homeless people that, that just come to attend. I forget whether they meet outside or inside or, I, you know, this was all pre-COVID and things. I guess they have to make adjustments. 90% of his congregation was homeless folks. And it was, it was really exciting because um, one of the things that he talked about in here is he said, a lot of times, I, I won't say idolized, that's the wrong word, but, but we look with, with tremendous admiration at just the, the spiritual growth and development and practices of all these matriarchs and patriarchs of the faith. And we look and say, man, that person spent four hours a day in their devotional time. Like, I have a hard time getting through 15 minutes. Um, and, and so, you know, he was, he was talking about this. And we, we look at these time periods and we think, wow, I'm terrible compared to these people. There's no way that I can kind of keep up with what was going. Um, but but it, was, uh, it was interesting because he said a lot of these people, we, we find that they are they're at different stages of life than we are. And, and uh, I was like, ooh, that, that was like mind-blowing and very eye-opening. Um, I wanted to, to touch on a, a couple people real quick that, that served with me over at Crossroads. There's this one dude named Randy Clay. Some of y'all know him. He's a phenomenal guy. And um, he's, he's one of our youth leaders at Crossroads. But he actually lost his, his wife about a year and a half ago to cancer. Um, wonderful lady, but, but she, she passed away. She knew the Lord. Um, and it was, it was difficult for him. Um, within about probably six months to a year after that, um, he had reached retirement age. So he, he and his wife had not had any kids, but she passed away. He retired and he's kind of sitting there and he's like, he's like, what do I do? What do I do? And so he, he, the Lord was calling him. He started working with the students. He started working with Be More Caring. He started um, working, a, he didn't have to have another job, but he just wanted to take one at a hardware store working like 15 hours a week. Um, and then he's also going through the course of study toward ordination with the Nazarene church. And I look at him and I'm like, man, he's serving in so many different capacities. And I'm like, man, why aren't I doing as much as Randy is? And, and I think, wow, it's, he's at a point in his life where he has there's certain obligations and responsibilities that, that I might have that he doesn't have or vice versa. And, and it's really about being faithful where you're serving. Um, another guy named Zach Lowe, he, uh, he's over with us, and he's been with us ever since I uh, took over the youth um, when, when Shane left and, and did a, a, the City on a Hill plant. But um, one of the things Zach does, he leads with me on Wednesday night. He's, he's my right-hand go-to guy. On Thursday nights, he runs a young adult group, and then he also helps to lead a couple other small groups and Bible studies and things throughout the week. Like almost every day of the week, he's, he's leading in some capacity. I'm like, holy cow, how does he have the time to, to do all this kind of, a, of a stuff? And it's, I look at that, and it's like, man, it's really motivating, and it's really encouraging. You might be sitting in here, and you're like, man, I got like three or four kids at home, and they're constantly needing my time, and the only time I get time by myself is if I go to the bathroom, and then I'm like, no, then I can lock the door and keep the kids out. Whatever place that you find yourself at, don't make comparisons to, to other people, even to, to other Christians, in, in terms of you're going to get stressed out or they have more time for this. Remember, we all have different responsibilities. We always have different areas. Some of these people that we look at and see, man, they're, they're in, the, in the word four or five hours a day. Maybe their kids are already graduated and moved on, or maybe, they, maybe they're retired or whatnot like this. So keep being faithful with, with what you have. Um, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians, this won't be on your screen, but it, um, Paul writes, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Keep being faithful in what God's called you to do.
Um, it's, it's okay to, like, um, I just want to encourage you, like I said, don't, don't be constantly making comparisons with, with even with other Christian folks. It is okay to, to get ideas from them, though. Like, be like, oh, man, this person is doing this in their Bible study or this in their marriage relationship or this is their parenting. It's, it's okay to take ideas and things. Uh, some of y'all know Dick Wilson. He's a retired pastor on our district. And, and for Crossroads, he filled in doing Sunday messages until Tim Brooks came. But I was talking to him in a class one time, and he said, <laughs> I, I never, he's like, he's this, like, kind of, real sweet, like little old, older man, kind of a Yoda type, and like very wise. And he goes, he goes, no plagiarism always makes for a boring pastor. And I was like, that sounds counterintuitive to what I've always been taught. But he said, no, he said uh, this point he was making was it's okay to, to take ideas from other people. And I tell you, the best ideas I ever come up with are like things that I got from other people, just cherry picking. So it's good to do that, but you don't want to get it to a point where you are comparing yourself negatively with, with other folks. So if we are making comparisons, we're falling into that comparison trap, what we can do is be confident in who God has designed and called you to be. If you need re reinforcement or re-encouragement with that or whatever, talk to, to one of your pastors, one of your elders, leaders in the, in the church, and they can help to encourage you with that because be, continue to be faithful with, with what God's called you to do. Uh, and the second thing we can have a tendency to do is we can tend to lose focus on God. We can tend to lose our focus on God. It's not something that happens deliberately, but I mean, even take a look at, at Christmas season right now, okay, right? We've got, we all know Christmas is about Jesus' birth and coming, but the world says Santa Claus, and it says big lights, and it says you got to order everything from Amazon because it's 2020, and you have all these different things that are pointing you in all these different directions, very few of which are coming back to the true meaning of Christmas. And if we're not vigilant, um, if we're not careful, then, then it's easy for us to, at least for me, it's like a, like a, like a moth to a flame. Like, oh, look at these bright lights. Uh, it's easy to, to lose that there. Um, my daughter, Addie, she's 13. Some of y'all know her. And some of y'all knew her when she was just like in the, in the nursery at Crossroads as a baby. But we were on the way home from youth group one night. And she said, she said Dad, she said, I love Jesus. I follow Jesus. But I, I worry, like, what happens if, if, if that's not the case in five or 10 years? She was really stressed and worried about, like, accidentally falling away from Jesus. And I said, sweetie, and she's like the nicest kid in the world. Um, I just, I adore that girl. Um, but uh, it, excuse me, the thing that I said to her is, is this kind of stuff doesn't just happen by accident. I said, it's not like you're just going to oh, one day, oh crap, I don't love Jesus anymore. It's not going to be like that. I said, you got to make sure that you're just being, con continue to, to pursue your relationship with God. God's always there. He's always going to be speaking to you. But, but listen, grow, spend time uh, just in, a, in your spiritual disciplines, reading the, the word, spend time in prayer, spend time in fasting. I think that's one thing, that's one thing I wish I did more of. I do it some, but, but not as much as, as I would like. But these spiritual disciplines that help to, to refocus and redraw my attention back to where it needs to be on the Lord. And, and so I said, you don't have to worry about it by accident, but make sure that you are having an active part in your relationship with the Lord. I use this example sometimes. My wife and I got married 18 years ago. And so, you know, we, you know, great day. We walk down the aisle, and it's December, so it's freezing. And we're like, whatever I do, I do. I love you. Cheers. We're married. If, if I don't spend any time communing uh, or talking or, or spending time with her, any of that kind of stuff, here's 18 years later. Yes, we may technically still be married, but if our relationship has not deepened and grown or anything like that, it's just going to be a fraction of, of where it could be. And I don't want it to be where it was 18 years ago when we met. 
Like, we, we talk about our relationship now. We're like, dude, we barely even knew each other when we got married <laughs> compared to now. So, but, but it's like that with our relationship with God. Cultivate that. Continue to, God has given us so many resources for us to get to know him better and continue to pour into that. So when we can lose our focus on God, be faithful in our spiritual disciplines. That's kind of our antidote to that. Um, and the third thing we can do is we can have a tendency to become impatient. Or maybe that's just me. Um, but, but, you know, if, if God doesn't answer our prayers in the, the time frame that we want or with the answer that we want, um, we don't see advancement in our position at work or change in our relationships or, or we don't see tangible results in situations that we're praying for and, and we don't deem that those results are appropriate or, or we don't get what we want, it can pull our focus, our mind off the Lord because we can be too self-consumed with, with what we desire and why we deserve it and why we deserve it now and, and things like that. Um, but one of the things I want to encourage you with in, uh, is making sure that you are being faithful um, because you might not see the fulfillment of, of whatever that you're praying for or you're serving in at this point in time. It may be five, it may be 10, it may be 20 years down the road. Um, so a couple of things real quick. Um, most of y'all probably know A.J. Vias. So A.J. was the youth pastor at Crossroads back in the, let's say, 2008 to 2011, 12, whenever uh, he went and, and launched it, Impact, or excuse me, Connections. Um, but, but he was there, and then Eric and myself and Shane and Dana Leach and a bunch of folks worked together with him, uh, helping to, to lead worship there. And uh, it, was, it was a fantastic time. Um, but one of the things that I, I, um, I tell him, and I've told my mom this, um, actually, um, those of you all who know Rob, his, his wife Mary and I grew up in the church together, like, not this church, obviously, but the church we grew up in together, her dad, uh, John, is, is one of the most kind, um, selfless, giving people I've, I've ever met, but he's, he's very quiet. He's very kind of kept to himself, reserved, and until you get to know him, you don't realize all this amazing stuff about him, but, but he was one of the youth leaders when I was 15, 16 years old, so I've, I've, I've wrote to him about this one time, but I've told my mom this. I've told AJ this. I said, all these, the, the reach that you have and the influence that you have um, in, as you're being obedient to God and his calling, all this, this God's kingdom purpose stuff you're doing, you probably don't even realize this, but this is having much farther uh, reach than you would ever imagine. Um, I, I've told these people, I said, I contacted AJ a couple weeks ago. I said, a couple kids who were elementary or just starting middle school when you were at Crossroads have now grown up through the program. They've graduated. They're leading. They're helping lead worship. They're leading students. I've told mom, um, I'm a youth pastor. My sister and her husband are the youth pastors at their church. I said, your influence in our lives is, and your influence for God is directly reaching students that, that you're never going to meet. And it's, I want to I share that. I want to encourage that with you because the work that you're doing, if you're serving with, with a student ministry or with children or with greeting or whatever God has called you to do, you're being faithful with that you might never see the full impact down the road. And then when we get to heaven someday, that would be super cool if God revealed to us, hey, because of your obedience, because of your faithfulness, we could see all this, that, all this work for the kingdom of God that's happened down the road. But we might not see it here. So if you are becoming impatient with that, I encourage you, continue to be faithful and stretch yourself by practicing patience. Stretch yourself by practicing patience. Our purpose, like our identity, needs to be fully grounded in Christ. Once we come to that realization, once we come to that, that point of being settled in our hearts, 
and we daily turn the range over to God and say, God, I have what I want to do, but I want to do what you want me to do today. And whatever decisions that may be, the more we can get into that custom, the easier it gets. And the more we can be obedient and, and start to see what it is that God's calling us to do. Only when we recognize and accept this, we'll be able to fully understand and comprehend God's purposes, big P and little p, for us. And honestly, it's liberating. When I don't have to stress about what's Jesse Happel doing, but I'm, I'm focused back on, on what is it that God's calling me to do. I don't have to think about my ideas or my plans or whatever. Yes, I have those things, but when they're lined up properly under God's direction, there's so much wind going on, it's exciting. Um, I'm going to close with a, a verse that's familiar to, to several of us. Um, it's, it's from Jeremiah 29, 11, And basically, God had given the Israelites this verse when they were in exile. And basically, God is saying, look, they, they've been in exile for like 70 years. And he's basically saying, hey, I haven't abandoned you. I've got purposes for your lives. And, and again, let me read this, um, and, and I'll talk about it. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God gave this verse to, to the Israelites when they desperately needed to hear it. They desperately needed to know that God had a purpose for them. Even though they'd been disobedient, even though they'd gotten themselves in a bunch of junk by their behavior and, and failing to, to adhere to, to what God had called them to do, God wasn't done with them. He had a purpose for them. And even though this was for that time, I, with all my heart, I believe that God has the same designs and these same purposes and these plans for us. If we can just cling to Jesus and his purpose for our lives, we don't have to worry about anything else robbing us of our peace. Let's pray, and then Frank's going to close us out. Let's worship. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for, for everyone in this room today. Lord, thank you first and foremost for Jesus Christ, for coming this time of year, stepping down from his heavenly glory and his heavenly throne becoming God incarnate in the form of a weak little baby, living a perfect life, showing us the way, dying on that cross, rising again, defeating death and hell, and just ascending back to you, Lord. I thank you that we can have relationship with you, and that's where all of this stands, all of our purpose, all of our plans, our desires, our aspirations for life, Lord, all comes back to the purpose that you have for us. Lord God, I pray that as, we're, as we go out from this place today, Lord, as we're going out about our week, for the next couple weeks leading up to Christmas and beyond that, Lord, whatever the next couple years hold, we don't know, but you know. I pray that our, our purpose would keep coming back to you in every decision that we make, all of our thoughts, our deeds, our words, everything would emanate from that, and we would be little reflections of you to a dark world around us. We love you, Jesus, in your name.